0: The kind of the cardinal rules that we have with treehouse building is that, you know, that you have to treat the trees as living dynamic organisms. They're not posts, they're not, they're not um, concrete pillars. They're something that's gonna move in the wind. So you have to respect that and think about it. And then also that they're growing and like we were talking about not having that wood to wood connection.
1: Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 36 with Daryl McDonald from the Treehouse Masters Show. Have you ever thought about building a tiny house in the trees? I certainly have, and so I asked Daryl to come on the show to talk about the basics of treehouse building. How do you attach your base to the tree? What kind of trees work for treehouse building and which trees don't work for treehouse building? What are safety things you have to consider? And Daryl does a really good job of breaking it down and explaining it in a really simple and clear way. I hope you stick around for this interview because it's fascinating to learn about other types of buildings. Even though most people who build tiny houses probably won't build tiny tree houses, It's really smart to take cues from other small house designs, and Daryl is a really accomplished builder. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor today. The Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast is brought to you by Tiny House Decisions. Tiny House Decisions is my signature resource that helps you go from dream to plan to even building your tiny house. I'll tell you more about it after the show, but All you should know right now is that I'm offering 20% off for podcast listeners. Just head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD and use the coupon code tiny. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD, coupon code tiny. All right, my guest today is Daryl McDonald. Daryl is a project manager and designer with Nelson Treehouse & Supply based in Fall City, Washington. Daryl has been a professional treehouse builder for over 18 years. He is the crafty veteran of the crew, having been involved in over 250 builds throughout the U.S. and in seven different countries. Daryl, welcome to the show.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me, Ethan. Happy to be here.
1: You're very welcome. I'm, I'm glad to have you. I, I was curious, actually, if we could just start out super basic and just say, you know, how do you define a treehouse? Like what what makes a house a treehouse?
0: That's a good question. And maybe even less basic than you think. There's a little bit of philosophy, I think, that goes along with that. Um, A lot of people, you know, grew up with treehouses in their childhood. And, you know, it could be a, I think me personally have a pretty broad idea of what a treehouse can be. And I think it can be anything from you know, two by fours and a piece of plywood up into it in a tree that you can sit on and hang out in or up to, you know, a larger tree house that may or may not be tree supported. So I, I have a pretty broad, broad swath of what I think a tree house is. I think it's more of the, the spirit of it than it is the actual structure in a way.
1: Okay. Does there have to be some attachment to a tree somewhere?
0: And not in my de- definition. I mean, I, de- I definitely know there are some people out there that do think there has to be. I think as long as you're amongst the trees, I think that's really the, the true the true nature of a tree house is to be amongst the trees. I don't think you necessarily have to be attached to it.
1: Cool. Okay. So uh, uh, amongst the trees, a house that kind of is in situ with a lot of trees.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And, and typically, in my mind, that adds a little bit of elevation as well. So you're up, like literally up in the trees, maybe not just surrounded by them.
1: Okay, so like it could be a house that's on a a tall platform, not actually attached to trees, but that you're just right there with them.
0: Exactly. And exactly. And and we we do a little bit of everything. Ideally, we're attaching to the trees because I think it's the best um, kind of easiest in some respects way to build a treehouse is to to attach them. And there's something very special about having that aspect as well. But I don't think it's a necessarily a requirement.
1: You mentioned like everything from the the two by fours and plywood, which is certainly something closer to what a lot of us end up building or having as as kids, all the way up to, you know, full on houses in the trees. Are there limits to what's possible, or can you just really build anything you want up in the trees?
0: Um, I mean there there is a lot lot of possibilities. I would say. You kind of have to listen to the trees in a way, um, for lack of a better term. You know, the, tree, the, the, the site and the trees themselves will kind of tell you what's possible. I think that's one of the really interesting interesting things about designing a trios is that it's very site-specific. And kind of getting, you know, a good idea of what's possible and what spaces are provided by trees and things like that really helps drive the design and tell you what's, what's possible in that particular set it's rare that we'd ever come in with a pre-designed idea or structure, I should say, and trying to place it into a tree setup. I think we're, we're usually going there with a little more of an open mind, maybe with an idea of what the, what the treehouse's purpose is going to be and a style perhaps. But um, but yeah, it's, it's there's a lot of possibilities, but you definitely have to let the, the trees drive the design in my opinion.
1: So what is that design process like? Let's say, you know, I was wanting to build a little house in the trees for, you know, for Airbnb just in the summer, you know, something uninsulated, a little, little shelter in the trees. And I had you come to my property, what would we do? Like, how would we start the design process?
0: So, yeah, we probably would sit down and yeah and talk about your requirements you know so you said an uninsulated you know what we would call a three season structure depending on what part of the country you're in but uninsulated probably mildly heated if at all um so probably just electrical and probably no plumbing or anything like that to to deal with which makes it a bit more simple Um, and then we kind of probably get a rough idea of square footage is always a kind of a good thing to know about Um, you know, I think you could probably get away with three 300 square feet pretty easily. I know I'm speaking, <laughs> kind of preaching to the choir here about small footprints. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, anything up to 300 square feet gives you plenty of room for that sort of thing. You could sleep, you know, easily four people in that in that scenario. Um, and then we would just start walking your property. And I would say nine out of ten times the clients already know exactly where the triage should go. Um, it's, it's usually... Pretty well defined for the most part, so it's rare that we have to really go deep and and scout things. Um, We're typically looking, you know, for a structure that size, probably three to four trees in within 20 feet of each other. Kind of makes for a a nice, efficient platform. So each tree kind of acts as its own um, corner of the building, so to speak. And then um, it makes laying out the beams and the joist work quite easy. Um, We also can do, you know, smaller, you know, setups like a two-tree structure or a three-tree structure, even a single-tree tree Tree house is easily done as well. But um, you kind of get a lot of bang for your buck, for lack of a better term, when you have three to four, because it allows you to grow that space pretty economically and efficiently. With uh, with the kind of the hardware that we use uh, with the trees,
1: it would seem that uh, like a one tree or a two tree house would present more of an engineering challenge than, you know, when you have all four corners kind of propped up with a tree.
0: You're exactly right. Yeah, it's it. That's the real issue. Is you start getting into typically metal fabrication at that time, you know, we, we have different types of brackets that we use and, and things like that when we have one and two tree situations. Um, and also ease of creating it, the construction costs I think for a single tree kind of for the square footage that you get from it are, are higher. Um, you just, it's more effort to get that square footage. Whereas if you have at least two, you're ahead of the game by that much more And then yeah, like you said, three or four is quite easy Cause you're already picking up the corners of your structure.
1: Okay. So are there any trees that can't be used for a tree house? Like, is there a minimum size or certain types of trees that just won't work?
0: Yeah. Yeah. There, there certainly are. There's a few that are kind of, it's not necessarily, it's more the fact that you're going to be occupying the space under the tree. So we, you know, we're a Northwest based company and so what we like to use around here are ideally like Douglas fir trees and cedar trees. And then kind of on the lesser side of things are um, like a cottonwood tree is really not an ideal tree because it ends up dropping limbs kind of unpredictably. Um, so you definitely don't want to invest time and your energy and your safety being underneath that tree and, you know, in a, at a time when it starts to, to delim itself. Um Another tree that's not ideal for a trios is a, a Western uh, red alder. They just have a really short lifespan. So they max out about 30 years before before they start kind of dying off and, and falling over. They're kind of one of the first species to come into a place that's been cleared for whatever reason. So um, they're fast growing, but they also um, yeah, have a limited lifespan. So you want a tree that's mature, but not towards the end of its life cycle, and then also um, – Usually a fairly good size would be, you're looking at, for a softwood, you probably want to be above 16 to 18 inches. And then for a hardwood, you could probably get it down to about 12 inches, depending on um, the species and in the, in the, in the, um, how old it is.
1: Okay, wow. Now, it, it makes total sense to me that you wouldn't want a tree at the end of its life cycle, because obviously once once one of the trees that's holding up your treehouse is dead or dying, then you've got another engineering challenge, I suppose.
0: (laughs) Exactly. You're absolutely right.
1: Is it true that, you know, you attach this tree house to the trees and then the trees keep growing? Does that affect the like the level of the house or does the tree not actually grow down lower?
0: Yeah. So, yeah, this is a kind of a common misconception is that trees grow up. Um, and that is true for juvenile trees, but once a tree reaches a certain maturity level, it basically is just adding layers onto the trunk of it. And the only things that are growing up and out are the leaders of the limbs and the you know the twigs and things like that at the end of the uh, of the branches are the only thing that's growing out.
1: Uh, wow, okay, so I mean I, I'm guessing that if that was not the case, then tree houses would just be completely impractical because they'd always constantly be moving with the tree
0: yes that's absolutely true and then the the flip side to that is that since it is growing out and adding layers you have to be cognizant of that in the design phase as well because you want to know if your tree is a really fast growing tree then you want to keep your walls and your roof and your framing system away from it so so that allows that tree to grow at its rate that it's going to grow um if it's slower grower you can allow it to be a little bit closer but um And you have to think about that as far as longevity of your structure and possible retrofits in the future.
1: Okay. So the trees can actually start encroaching in on the walls of the structure itself if they're too close.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And that's the trees. I mean, in my opinion, 90% of the time, the tree always is going to (laughs) win. So (laughs) the the structure itself is not going to put up very well with a tree banging against the wall too long before it becomes you know unviable
1: okay um now we've all seen i'm sure like the hook for an old tire swing or just something nailed into a tree and then the tree bark kind of like eats the piece of hardware and it becomes like permanently you know like kind of engulfed by the tree do you have to do anything with the fasteners you know, to prevent them from getting kind of swallowed up by the tree?
0: Well, what we use is called a tab, which is a treehouse attachment bolt. So it's kind of a specially engineered and constructed piece of hardware that is about our standard one is about 18 pounds. It's pretty heavy duty. It's an inch and a quarter diameter shank with a, what we call the boss, which is a three inch diameter by six inch long piece of steel that's pressed onto it so the boss is what really takes the load of the treehouse, and we actually in some ways want that to be engulfed by the tree because the the deeper it gets in the more it's grown around the tree actually the physiology of a tree will grow um, bolster blocking is what it's called and so it's a special type of tissue that the, the tree will grow in order to take the load that you're asking it for, to take from the treehouse in this case, but it's also the same way it, it acts as if it was a branch. So if you had a big, long cantilevered branch, you'll notice that the growth rings underneath that branch is where it reaches the trunk is a denser wood than is typical throughout. So the longer that our hardware is in the tree, the stronger it becomes, which is quite amazing. So you do want it to kind of grow around it to a certain degree. You need to manage that a bit with, um, like I said, retrofitting and making sure it doesn't get to your beams because you never really want a wood-to-wood connection because you don't know what's happening in there and lots of times rot is what's happening behind that. So it's either rotting the tree, which is bad, or it's rotting your beam, which is probably even worse for your structure. So those are all things you have to take into consideration when you're talking about tree growth.
1: Are there any considerations about the health of the tree? Like, does this hurt the tree?
0: um yeah so we we'd after we would go so if we go back to our our hypothetical meeting of selecting trees for your tree house, then what we typically do is have local arborists come out and and check your trees to make sure that they're healthy and they're in a good spot because we never want to again invest the time and the effort into a tree that might be sick with a fungal infection or or various other things that might be going on with it so that's why we usually try to and engage a local arborist because they'll know what the local pests are so to speak so we're always trying to drill our hardware into healthy trees and healthy trees have a really good resilience to that so um it's by far in my opinion the best way to go about treehouse building because the other options are kind of girdling the tree, which is the worst thing you could possibly do to a tree, is trying to attach something like a ring around it because that basically stops its nutrient flow. Um, whereas this, you're interrupting it and you are creating a wound, but if the tree is in a good health, then then it can take that with no problem at all.
1: Got it. Yeah. He, I'm in Vermont and I've helped people tap maple trees for, for sugaring and, you know, each season you you need to put the tap, you have to rotate the tap around the tree. You can't put it in the same spot or you don't want to put it above or below where it was tapped the previous year.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I'm guessing
1: yeah. it's a similar similar situation there. You don't want to uh, cut off nutrients too much there.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: So what are some common mistakes that you see amateur treehouse builders making
0: um i think the kind of the cardinal rules that we have with treehouse building is that you know that you have to treat the trees as living dynamic organisms they're not posts they're not they're not um, concrete pillars they're something that's going to move in the wind so you have to respect that and think about it and then also that they're growing and like we were talking about not having that wood to wood connection so a lot of people you know, we'll just lag a bolt into the side of the tree and then the tree will start enveloping the whole thing or it'll start pushing the, the beam off. Um, I've seen that quite a bit. Um, and, and then it kind of starts to hurt the tree as well as, as you know, make the, um, the structure, you know, structurally questionable. So I think the idea of not thinking of trees as posts is probably the most common mistake I've seen amateurs make. Anything else? Um, and again, wind is another thing. Um, I think people have a don't realize how much a tree can move in the wind, and that trees will move dynamically and individually from each other. So you might have a stand of three trees that you're building in, and they might, the wind might force them together, and they might force them apart. So it's not as kind of harmonized as people think it is. Um, and I think that's, you know, those are the, the two, the two big things I've seen.
1: So for an, for an, a DIY or amateur builder, is there a safe way to do that attachment to the trees without the specialized hardware? Like, can I go down to the local Lowe's or home Depot and, and pick out some hardware that will do it, get the job done safely?
0: Um, you can, it just depends on the size of the structure that you're going for. Um, and there's definitely you know cheaper alternatives um, if you're going for lighter loads, you know. But if you're talking about doing something that's fairly sizable and adult scale, and that's what we specialize in, that's kind of why we developed these bolts is because we weren't able to find them elsewhere in, in a in a you know a, a good engineering way, <laughs> I guess to to have that that level of you know factor of safety that you're looking for for a a house that you're going to be occupying.
1: And are these bolts something that are available to the public to buy, or are they something that is proprietary for your company?
0: Um, Well, the whole tab is is treehouse attachment bolt is not proprietary to us. We do manufacture them, but there's a few other manufacturers that are around the country as well. So there's options.
1: Okay. So this is something that is accessible you know, for we have a lot of listeners who want to build their own tiny houses. And so I always like to look out for them to say, you know, is this accessible for a DIY builder? And it sounds like it, it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can order them directly off our website. So it's as, as easy as clicking a mouse, <laughs> really. Um, and yeah, and we ship around the country and we also do, you know, consultations to help people get off on the right foot.
1: Great. Great. So, if you know, so you can do consultations with people without even traveling to their site.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, ideally, if we're doing the full design for them, then we would be on site. But I think, as far as people who are fairly knowledgeable about things, we can, you know, we can answer questions over the phone and things like that, and do, um, you know, have pictures sent and things like that. So it's definitely um, available, and we want to make sure to try and just get. You know, we've seen so many treehouse, you know, mistakes made that it's just trying. Part of our mission, I think, is to get as much good information out there and um, let people know know it as much as possible, so that you can get going the right way, and, and your investment of your time and materials and all that sort of thing is is put in a place where you can be used for for many years to come.
1: Do the majority of treehouses that you build? have utilities? Like, are they four season structures or are they more of the three season type?
0: I would say probably it's getting closer to the mostly four season and, and that might not include, um, you know, plumbing and and HVAC and things like that. But, um, but definitely I would say 90% of our builds, 95% of our builds even are, are electrified. Um, And then that might just include like a small, a small wall unit heater type of thing. Um, And, uh, an insulated. Yeah. We usually typically build with them insulated, even if it's going to be a more of a three season structure if you put paneling up, we usually insulate behind it because it's not too much extra effort. And then if they want to come back and make it a little more livable, so to speak, or four season, then, then it's possible without ripping everything apart and putting it back in. Um, but yeah, it, it tends to go that way. And then I would say probably maybe 50% of our jobs probably do have some some HVAC or plumbing going into them.
1: Are tree houses constructed like stick-framed houses traditionally, or are there some other building methodologies that you use?
0: Um, That's another spot where there's a lot of possibilities. I mean, our typical... Um, Mo is to have a stick, stick-built house after the after the platform is done, and the platform is fairly similar to a a regular house as well. Um, so yeah, the, with the again with the technology of the tabs. I mean, in a Douglas fir, a tab, one of those tabs can take about ten thousand pounds of pressure. So that allows us to use standard kind of two by four. You know, we do. Um, you know, frame as efficiently as we possibly can. Um, but but you can use full two by four material uh, for the walls and things like that. But we have done a few different things. You know, we've used SIPs on a couple of occasions. We've, um, you know, do a timber frame kind of, you know, at least parts of a timber frame occasionally as well. But um, yeah, definitely a, a two by four stick built is kind of our, our typical go-to.
1: Nice. And do you tend to like preassemble? walls and then bring them up to the platform or do you just do the building in place
0: um no we do a lot of prefabrication here in our shop actually before we even get to the site so um right now they're working on a job that's going to be shipped out to north carolina um i think in a week or so and so we're doing a lot of prefabrication of the panels and then we'll put them in the back of a semi-truck and ship them out um to site and then they get lifted into place
1: wow so it involves like a crane and a crew.
0: Cranes or we, you know, forklifts can be available sometimes. Um, cranes don't usually like to work around trees <laughs> too much. <laughs> crane operators don't typically like to work around tra- uh, trees too often. So uh, it's usually a forklifting or if we need to do it ourselves, we, you know, we have a lot of riggers on the crew that will rig things up into the trees. I mean, the good thing about having trees next to you is you can always get an anchor above you to help rig things into place. So that's another kind of fun part of the, the build.
1: Now, I know that there is a TV show about the work that, that this company does. In the tiny house space, there are also several TV shows about tiny houses. And the, the result of that, in my opinion, is that tiny houses have gotten kind of bigger and a little bit more, um, you know, just a little bit more luxurious because what what ends up on the shows are the kind of outlier examples the really extravagant ones or the ones that have really like crazy special features and i'm curious if uh having the the treehouse masters show has that changed any of the work that you do like in the requests that you get or is or has that kind of just documented what you were already doing
0: um, I think you're on a good track. I think, yeah, it was definitely what we were already doing, but it's definitely it's, it's definitely made us a little bit larger as far as the footprint of these tree houses have got a little bit larger, I would say. And and going from when we were probably more 50-50, three season to four season, it's definitely pushed us more towards the four season kind of end of things. Um, I think that's also – Due to the fact of the rise of kind of the Airbnbs of, of the world, you know, people wanting to have these small vacation rental spaces and making those livable for four years or four four seasons a year type of thing. I think that's also helped that arc. But yeah, I definitely, I mean, it definitely made everything a little more, you know, quote unquote extreme, <laughs> so to speak.
1: Do you have a, a favorite treehouse of, of all the 250 builds?
0: Um, yeah, um, yeah, I do. It's, it's probably not the answer people think it's going to be. Um, we did a treehouse with some kids in Morocco as a workshop, and I think that was my favorite treehouse. And it wasn't even really a treehouse. It was a deck up in a really amazing um, black fig tree in Tangier, Morocco. And I think it was more the experience of the build than the structure itself. <laughs> so that, I mean, but that, if I'm honest, that's the, my favorite treehouse that I've ever done.
1: Yeah. And that's a great reminder that so much of the structure, so much of how you feel about a home is tied up in the story of how it was built or, you know, why it was built, where it was built, and not so much even the structure itself.
0: I, I completely agree. Yeah.
1: So one thing that I like to ask all my guests is what are two or three books or movies or just resources that have kind of inspired you or informed your your work in, in this space?
0: Um, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> this might be a little self-serving, but my boss's <laughs> books have really helped me <laughs> over over the years. Um, and yeah, Pete Nelson is his name, and he's obviously the founder of the company, and his books have, you know, opened my eyes to, you know, cause he goes out and documents not only our tree houses, but other tree house builders throughout the world. And so he's come back, you know, probably prior to these things getting published in the book, he comes back and has shown me these pictures and stories of these tree house builders that are around the world that you didn't even know exist. Um, but uh, something, another thing is I find really inspiring is Lloyd Kahn and his books about kind of handmade houses um, he's based down in California. Um, he's always kind of cranking out a new book every once in a while, so I always, I always look for those on the bookshelves when I'm going to the to, to a bookstore. Um, I mean, I I just in general try and keep my eyes out for interesting things that people are doing architecturally. Period, and, st- and I'm always thinking about how to bring that into into treehouses. Um, there's a, um, a local Seattle architect um, who I'm going to not remember the name of right now, <laughs> unfortunately, but he's a, quite a modern a modern guy. And I've kind of taken a couple of his ideas and tried to apply them to tree houses to see how it, how it helps and how it works out in our landscape. And it, it's some pretty fun stuff, um, you know, kind of using rusty metal and uh, bomb type things. And I'm sure people have all been doing this in, in tiny house movement as well. But it's, uh, yeah, I find that to be quite, quite inspiring.
1: I actually had another question that I, that I wanted to ask before. Um, what safety precautions do you recommend people take when they're working on a treehouse? Because I think for some people, they're going to be working up, up high
0: yeah yeah I mean it's it's there's a lot to be thoughtful of with regards to that like I said with the same with the rigging as far as having trees with anchors above you um when you have your arborist out there typically what I like to do is have the arborist set some ropes if they're going to do any lots of times you want the arborist to come out and do what's called limbing a tree so taking out all the dead wood before you're working underneath of it in a windstorm <laughs> which is a good idea, but. Um, but also setting ropes up there so you can be in a harness and um, and tied in. So, you know, typically when we're on a job, we're tied in when we're at height. And then also we do a lot of scaffolding around the outside of the house because it turns out that hanging from a harness is not the most efficient way to side a house. <laughs> so, so scaffolding is, is actually used. I mean, I would say, again, probably 90% of our jobs are, you know, between the height of 12 feet and 20 feet. And that's you know kind of second to third story of a building, so high to be sure, but not impossibly high, with you know your more standard type of things like pump jacks and things like that that you'd see in more typical ground-mounted construction, as we call it. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely something you need to be cognizant of. And typically, we you know since there is so many layers of the building happening a lot of times at once, we're we're big proponents of wearing helmets. <laughs> um, yeah that would building.
1: make sense i mean if you wear a helmet when you go climbing because a rock could fall from above you it makes sense that you would want to wear it while working on a treehouse
0: exactly exactly and we typically go more towards the um the rock style or it's you know more european i guess hard hat style which you know we use petzel products a lot for that sort of thing so actual hard hat with a strap so you know, It's not the first thing that hits you and takes your helmet off and then you get hit by the second thing. It actually stays on your head. <laughs>
1: Good point. What's the highest treehouse you've you've worked on?
0: Um, the highest one, we did a, kind of an outlook up in a Douglas fir, close to where I'm sitting here, um, about 144 feet up in a tree. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, it was quite high, <laughs> quite high with a great view. Um and, you know, there's only been probably a, a couple that I can think of. Maybe that means there's probably two or three um, that are above 100 feet. And those are mostly just lookouts. Um, I think probably one of the highest actual houses that I've worked on was in Costa Rica. We bit, built one about 60 feet up in a single tree. Okay. Um, which was a full liveaboard house.
1: Wow. Well, what this is making me think about now is that, after you build it, you also have to have a way for people to get into it.
0: That is a very good thought. And that's something we definitely discuss on site visits is um, accessibility. Um, and there's a few tricks to that trade. And they're not anything uh, super special. But, you know, a slope is a very helpful thing if you're trying to get high in a tree. Is that If you can get above it on a slope, you might be able to enter a tree 25, 30 feet up. Yeah, with a, with a ramp without having taken any steps. We just did a, a treehouse down in outside of Bend, Oregon for an 84-year-old woman who's going to live there full time. And obviously, she's not going to climb stairs, you know, too many flights of stairs to get into her treehouse. But we were lucky enough to find a good site that was just off the edge of a slope. And so she's just going to be able to park her car on the slope and walk across the bridge to her treehouse. So it's pretty awesome. Um, Very cool. Yeah, and that's another thing as far as like that's kind of why we stick into that 12 to 20 foot height is you know, beyond that you kind of becomes a bit daunting, which can be a good aspect to your build. But if you want something that's easily accessible, you know, the you know, climbing up one flight of stairs or two flights of stairs um is kind of enough and you want to make sure you I, I love to see archery houses being used, <laughs> which sounds silly, but I think if you make it too adventurous, people are less likely to use it on a regular basis.
1: So if you aren't able to do the ramp, like say it's pretty much a flat piece of land, what are what are your other options for easy accessibility?
0: Um, usually it's, it's stairs, um, stairs with a landing or two to kind of break it up. Um, and you could also do a stair, you know, there's, quite magnificent spiral staircases that have been done for tree houses that maybe climbs a separate tree and then you walk across a bridge to get to the main tree house. Um, but I think, yeah, the most straightforward version is, you know, a stair with a landing, um, so that you kind of break up, you're not going up a, you know, a 10 foot rise in a single flight of stairs because that just seems a bit, the feng shui of that isn't, the, it doesn't work out very well.
1: Right. You, your staircase scale of it is so much bigger than the house.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you don't want it to overload it. And um, and you, yeah, it's nice to have a little break and it's nice to change direction and things like that. So that's always, always helpful from a design standpoint.
1: Nice. Uh, Any thing that I have failed to ask you about tree houses that you would like to share with our listeners?
0: no i think you did a really good job of covering it it's you know it's been a you know i I think the one of the most fun things i've enjoyed about treehouse building is that there's so many different aspects to it from the science of the anatomy and physiology of trees to the engineering to the actual building itself to the design work and stuff i think it's it's a really fun project that you can really dive into and, and you'll never know everything about everything <laughs> with regards to trioses, because it feels like it draws on so many different fields but it also keeps keeps it you know keeps it different every day and, and it's always it's always fun
1: awesome well daryl mcdonald thank you so much for being a guest on the show
0: great thank you for having me Ethan.
1: Thank you so much to Daryl McDonald for being a guest on the show. You can find the notes and resources mentioned in today's episode at thetinyhouse.net slash 036. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 036. Now I want to tell you a little bit more about our sponsor today, which is the guide Tiny House Decisions. Tiny House Decisions is a comprehensive field guide to help aspiring tiny house builders make the right choices for their unique homes. In it, you go through the decisions that I made, what I ultimately decided for my own house and why, and how those decisions affected the overall project. I'll help you identify key choices and understand the relationships between them so you can plan your house effectively without spending countless hours researching. The guide has helped readers save hundreds or even thousands of dollars on their tiny houses by avoiding common mistakes. And most important, it will help you feel confident about the choices you're making because you'll know they're the right decisions for you. To learn more, head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD and use the coupon code tiny when you check out for 20% off any package. Well, that's all for now. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.